Hey guys, this is Mike and you're listening to Feeling Twisty. I'm really glad you're here. Earlier today, I was scrolling through Instagram and I came across a video of President Trump talking about the coronavirus, referring to it as our invisible enemy. And I, as I scrolled past that, I found came across a celebrity that posted a video uh, talking along the same lines, referring to the coronavirus as this faceless and uh, invisible attacker that's coming after all of us, regardless of the color of our skin and our status in life. And he was very doom and gloom, but also he was trying to spin it in a positive light, you know, saying that we'll, we'll come through this, we will overcome it. And so he was implying a lot of struggle. And uh, I know he meant well, but I didn't, I'm not uh, saying I bought into what he said or how he said it, but it got me thinking about invisibility. <laughs> no, I don't mean my cloak, my invisibility cloak in the closet, but uh, you wouldn't know if I was wearing it right now anyway. But the wind got me thinking about the wind. I've been hearing it all morning blowing against the house. And one of my screens uh, is a, a little loose. I hear a little bit of a rattle when the wind blows hard. And if I look out my window, I would see the limbs in the trees swaying and maybe some leaves blowing around in the grass. So we experience the effects of the wind with our senses. Around here, I live near uh, chemical plants and refineries and not too far away from the Gulf of Mexico and the marshes around the coast. So when the wind's blowing right, we experience the... <laughs> We experience the wind with all of our senses. We can smell it and taste it. But we don't ever think about what's causing the wind to blow. We only see the effects of it. You know, I, when I hear the wind whistle past my uh, window, I don't think about the sun uh, heating up the earth in, in, in different temperatures, you know, different areas, different temperatures causing high pressure and low pressure and the air in the high pressure moves from from there to the low pressure areas causing the wind or the air to move. I don't think about all that and probably you don't either. You just experience the effects of the wind and that got me thinking about life. We grow up, we spend our time here on earth reacting to circumstances and with all sorts of emotions and feelings reacting to all these things outside of us that seem to be outside of us without giving any thought to what really is the cause of it. Oh, sure, we can. you could name any experience in life and point to a cause. Well, they did it. She did it. He did it. That country did it. But I'm talking about the true cause. Just like the sun heats up the earth and causes the high and low pressure, which forces the air from high to low, there is a cause of all the circumstances of life, and that is God. And I'm not talking about God up there somewhere, out there, watching us. I'm talking about the I am that's within all of us, awareness. Neville explains it so clearly in his lectures and his books that he refers to the name of God in the Old Testament, I am. And the Bible says, I am that I am. 
And he says that I am or I am is awareness. And all of us are that I am. We get to that point, like I talked about yesterday, when we go into the silence, the stillness, we can find that awareness where we shed all of our states, where we experience this formless and faceless expansion. It's nothingness and everything all at once, but we're no longer attached to our identity or the states we're dwelling in, a state of lack or fear. And that point in the silence is I am. And at that point, we can then condition it with whatever state we want to experience. But Neville says that I am is God. And he also refers to it as our imagination. He says so beautifully that God is our imagination. This whole world is imagination. And every experience that seems to be on the outside of us is just a reflection of what we're imagining. And the Bible talks about it. I didn't get it growing up. I was taught that, you know, God is this being outside of us, up there somewhere. But then again, it talks, they teach us that we have to invite him in, which I never really got because I never, there never was two people inside of me. But it's not the way it is. In the Old Testament, it says in Deuteronomy, I am he. There is no God beside me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. So I used to think, well, how could a God of love do both? Kill, there has to be a devil. There has to be something else, an opposing force. No, God is saying, what the scripture is saying is my I amness. You know, if you read that, read that verse as if you're talking. I am he. I am he. There's no other beside me. I kill. With my imagination, I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. And in Isaiah 45, verses 7 through 9, it says, I am the Lord. And that the Lord is the name of God. I am. I am the I am. There is no other. I form the light and I create darkness. I make prosperity and create doom. I am the I am who does all these things. So rewording that, my imagination forms the light and creates darkness. My imagination makes prosperity and creates doom. My imagination does all these things. One of the most frightening things for me, uh, and most disturbing and liberating at the same time was the moment that I got that, where I realized that there is no one to blame or to credit out there somewhere, that my awareness of being is what the Bible is talking about. This awareness is in all of us, and not just in us, it is us. Neville talks about how he explains it, that we are God, imagining this entire existence, this human experience. And so if you see it that way, as this I am spoken of in the Bible, as our imagination, you can see why 
it says, I kill and I make alive. I can put to death any state that I no longer desire, and I can give life to any state I want to inhabit. I wound and I heal. I form the light and create darkness. It's all up to me. If I want to be prosperous, I have to enter that state of prosperity. If I want to be healthy, I have to enter that state of health and dwell in it and continue dwelling in it until that state becomes comfortable and easy, like returning home after a long day at work. You feel the naturalness of that state of being. All of these things are states that, we're, that we experience. Neville says that our experiences, our, our beliefs and our thoughts, our reactions, even our manifestations, and manifestation, the way Neville uses it, is just meaning you're experiencing what you've imagined. So you've imagined it and then you experience it in this three-dimensional or physical uh, experience. You're not creating anything. Everything is already there, but through your imagination and your assumption of the feeling of whatever your wish is fulfilled, you become aware of that experience. That was a load off of my back when I realized I don't have to create anything. I'm not a details kind of guy. <laughs> I would end up, you know, making a camel with one leg and three eyes or something. You know, I just I do what Neville says and what the Bible says. I go to the end of whatever it is I want. In Isaiah 4610, it says, I, the Lord, my I amness declares the end from the beginning. So whatever it is I want to be in life. At this point I am now, where I am now, recognizing I desire, I want to be that. I want to be healthy. I want to be free. Do what the Bible says. Go to the end of it. Declare the end. What does that mean, Mike? Neville, and I keep going back to Neville because, geez, he explains it so simply. He cuts through a lot of crap that I used to do to get to this, this point. What do you want to experience in life? Do you want to give life to something lovely, the light? Or do you have evil intent, the darkness? You know, do you want to hurt people? Because it, our imagination, this I amness, kills and makes alive. It wounds and it heals. It causes everything. You are the operant power in your life. So when crappy things happen, look to the one cause. And when wonderful things happen, you can celebrate because you know, yeah, I did that. It's me, my I amness. That's what unites all of us. And there is no real uh, uniting. I say uniting, but that indicates that there was a separateness, that we're reconnecting, but that only seems to be a reconnection. We were never separate. Not one of us is separate from the other or separate from God. In spite of what's going on around us, there is no separation. It's up to us to imagine the lovely if we want lovely in our lives and imagine, imagine lovely, lovingly for others, everyone that we come across or know 
the whole reason we're here. Neville says we're here to know imagination or to awaken to the fact that we are God. Fragmented now, seemingly separate, but there is no separation. And when you really start to get that, to know who you really are, regardless of what's going on around you, won't phase you. It won't phase you. Change how you react to things going on. Change your reactions to your circumstances. And that automatically changes your state. Because Neville explains it, and other teachers really explain states well. That the state of consciousness within it is your, includes your beliefs and, and your reactions and all these other things. But you can, through your reactions, move yourself into a state. Because even Neville says, that he calls it the law of reversibility, that if one thing can cause another, then what was the effect can now become the cause. If you haven't heard, there's an episode I did, I don't know, maybe 10 episodes ago, called uh, Cause and Effect. After this one, go back to that one and listen to that because I talked about it in that one. That we can, by appropriating the feeling of whatever we desire, of already having it and being it, we can bring about that state of consciousness. Because just like that state of consciousness includes this feeling and all these other things, responsibilities, beliefs, everything, from this new perspective on the world, then we can reverse that and bring up the feeling of that state. And by inhabiting that feeling of health or prosperity or, you know, toilet paper, <laughs> by knowing it's done because we've desired it and accepted that feeling of already having it, it must bring about that state of consciousness. It must. In Neville's uh, lecture, The Twelve Disciples, uh, I'm just going to read you a portion of it. He, Neville teaches that the whole Bible is the history, it's a sacred history, a spiritual guidebook, if you will, highlighting different states of consciousness that we all go through, these eternal states of consciousness, he calls it. And you could, if you pull out your concordance, look at the names in the Bible, and then you start to see, oh, all of these people, are, it's just names of God. And then these different these people are representing different states of mind as well. And so I said all that to explain why he's talking about the disciple Thomas here. I'm not going to get into the whole lecture, but you'll see where I'm going. Uh, the seventh disciple called Thomas, this disciplined quality doubts or denies every rumor and suggestion that are not in harmony with that which Simon Peter has been commanded to let enter. The man who is conscious of being healthy, not because of inherited health, diets, or climate, but because he is awakened and knows the state of consciousness in which he lives, will, in spite of the conditions of the world, continue to express health. He could hear through the press, radio, and wise men of the world that a plague was sweeping the earth, and yet he would remain unmoved and unimpressed.
Thomas, the doubter, when disciplined, would deny that sickness or anything else which was not in sympathy with the consciousness to which he belonged had any power to affect him. I love that. Unmoved and unimpressed. Like Amanda's word for the year, unbothered. I love how Neville uses those the disciples to describe states of mind. And this doubting Thomas, instead of doubting that we are the operant power, we turn that around and use that as a discipline. We deny what the world says has to be. We deny what doctors say has to be. I'm not saying blow curfew and get out there and run amok while all this is going on. But you can deny entrance into your imagination. You don't have to accept what the facts of the world say, what your family says, about anything. I grew up, even in my generation, there was still a lot of condemnation because of religion and uh, sexual orientation and color of skin. Not from my parents, but I, I saw it. I was aware of it. I heard it. How silly is that? Oh my gosh. When you realize that all of this is God imagining and you are the operant power in your life and you see the oneness, the true oneness of all things and all people, you see God behind the mask of the brown skin and the white, and all the different shades, beautiful shades on this earth. People are beautiful. God is wearing the mask between, behind all of them, and in everything, all of nature, animals, and plant life. The entire universe is animated by our, our I amness, our imagination. There is no other. There is no one beside me. Only I kill and I make alive to the states of consciousness. I and only I form the light and I bring the darkness. I bring the doom. I, what I am conscious of being, does all these things. And it's the same for you. So what are you imagining today? Imagining something wonderful. Mike, you don't understand. Shit's getting real out here. No. <laughs> Be unbothered, unimpressed, unmoved. Deny what your senses tell you. I'm going to read one more quote from Neville. If today reason denies the image, you deny reason. If anything in this world, if your senses dictate that they are the facts of life, but they are in conflict with the image that you want to externalize, you deny your senses. Completely deny the senses and reason and entertain the image, for this is the creativity of God. I love you guys. This is Feeling Twisty.